You're listening to Civic from the San Francisco Public Press. On this edition, we'll hear from high school students about schools being closed. I'm unmotivated for the future when it comes to like academics. And I feel like that would change, obviously, once we go back. But I feel like, I don't know, it's just like a really weird feeling. It's not going to go back to normal. And I can't really picture it because it's almost happened for like a full year. As it went on, you know, it got kind of tiring. It obviously became harder to find motivation because there's nobody to keep you accountable. But currently, I'm actually feeling pretty good about distance learning just because I've noticed that my classes are shorter, so I have time to like write essays for scholarships. I have time to do my extracurriculars. I'm Laura Wenis, and this is Civic. Civic is underwritten in part by the San Francisco Foundation, which has been acting as a catalyst for change to build strong communities, foster civic leadership, and promote philanthropy in the San Francisco Bay Area since 1948. More at sff.org. It's now been almost a year since San Francisco schools closed, and at the time it was going to be just for a few weeks. Distance learning has been difficult for many students, parents, and teachers, and the calls for public schools to reopen as quickly as possible have grown louder and more frequent. The city attorney has filed a lawsuit against the school district and school board, saying they weren't doing enough to bring students back to in-person instruction as soon as possible. Today, we're beginning a series of conversations. Though the shows won't be back-to-back, you can expect to hear them over the next few weeks, about school reopening, distance learning, and how stakeholders are dealing with the uncertainty and isolation of the pandemic-related lockdown. We'll be hearing from students today, but you can also expect interviews with parents, teachers, and officials. And we also want to hear from you. If you're affected by schools being closed and you have something to add to the conversation, please get in touch and we may air your contribution. We use a tool called SpeakPipe. You can leave us a message at speakpipe.com slash civic or find a widget in the web versions of these episodes at sfpublicpress.org or leave us a voicemail at 415-495-7377. All right, now let's hear from some students. I talked with Alan Tironis, a junior at Gateway High School, Adriana Zhang, a junior at Lowell High, and William Axelrod, a junior at Ruth Asawa School of the Arts. So um, if you wouldn't mind, could each of you describe a normal school day for you right now as it stands with distance learning and the shelter-in-place order? When's it start and what do you do? Alan? Well, I have like a total of eight classes, but it's divided by four um, classes each quarter, which is like two quarters per semester. And so I have school through Tuesdays or Fridays. Um, and I have my four classes, which are each one hour um, long classes. And I have like 10 minute breaks in between. So I always have like my first two classes and then I have like a 40 minute lunch break. Um, and then I have, my, after my 40 minute lunch break, I have my um, the rest of my two classes. And on Mondays, we have advisory, which is also known as um, similar to homeroom for other schools, um, where we basically just like get any um, announcements from the school, any events, anything like that. And also like checking in with our advisor on any missing work or anything like that. Um, But yeah, that's normally how it is um, week by week. Mm-hmm. And are you sitting in your room doing these classes? Are you with other people? What's it look like? Yeah, I'm, I'm always on my bed. I don't really have like a 
a desk or like my room isn't really spacious so mm -hmm. I just always do all my schoolwork on um, my bed so which is um, probably not the best work um, yeah, environment <laughs> but it's definitely something like I just have a room for myself, which I know for many students, it's hard working with like when they have like other people in the room. So I am able to have a quiet environment, thankfully, only like in my room. So that's good. Mm -hmm. Adriana, tell us about your school day. Yeah, so typically I don't wake up before 845. Um, my classes start on 9 or 9.30, depending on the day. I love to just get up, take my first class in bed, get ready for the day, take my second class at my desk, and then try to gauge what it'll be like from there. With my schedule, I actually have like one and a half hour breaks in between some of my classes on Wednesdays and Fridays, so I'll like take a nap. I think so far this year, the workload, or at least the number of hours spent in class has significantly decreased. So I've been able to use a lot of my extra school time or the spaces in between my classes to just catch up on homework and do other things. Essentially, my school day is over at around one every day. Mm -hmm. Wow. William, what about you? Um, so... My school starts at nine o'clock, um, and at SOTA we have a block schedule. Um, so I have three classes in the morning with, um, depending on when we get let out, like 15 to five minutes between each class. Um, I have like about an hour for lunch, and then I have my arts block from about one hour and 15 minutes, and then my school day is over about two o'clock. And what's your what's your uh, classroom at home like? Do you share your space with other people? Do you have to stagger, you know, getting online with siblings or anything like that? Um, I'd say I'm pretty, pretty lucky, I guess, because I, I usually have a quiet space. Um, I kind of like migrate around my house, depending on when where other people are. For the most part, I'm able to like have my own space to work, which is nice. Mm hmm. <laughs> And how do you all feel about this setup? It sounds like there's been some good and some bad. Taking your first class of the morning from bed sounds pretty nice. Um, but what's your take? What, what do you think of this distance learning stuff? For my, well, what my school does, I have like all my AP classes, my um, first and third quarter, which can be really stressful. Um, so it's like a lot of work than just having like a lot of my challenge courses like spread out but then I have like um my second and fourth quarter like more like chill classes so like in time it's like really hard to be motivated um especially because um it's just all also like my extracurriculars I'm always on zoom and so like just constantly being on screen makes it like really hard for like um for me to pay attention um, and also, I forgot to mention, my classes start about, like, 9.30, so I always, like, just wake up and, like, just go on my class, in my, like, on my class, like, laying down, depending on the class. It's pretty challenging doing, like, independent work, 
um, during class or just focusing because I feel like now my attention span has really decreased. I've gotten more distracted now with like little things or like noises and all that um, during class. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyone else want to weigh in? I mean, for me, um, I personally love that I get to sleep in, but at the same time, I end up staying up a little later, so I don't necessarily think I'm getting more sleep. I just like the shifted schedule. As for school, I think the grades are more manageable, at least to get a good grade, because teachers can't necessarily enforce you having to memorize certain things because... You know, you have, like, Google and other devices right there. Um, Mm. At the same time, like, I'm a pretty independent person, so I really love that my teachers just record the classes, and I can just look at that whenever I feel like it. So even if I do get distracted, I just refer back to it. But, of course, there's a caveat to that where a lot of the material is harder to grasp because I'm just saying, oh, I'll just refer to it later. I'll study on my own. And then I try to study on my own um, and I either get distracted and you're or like, the materials. what does this mean? And you have nobody to ask. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's something that's very unique with like in person, like especially for physics. I don't know how anybody is doing that online. <laughs> I don't know how anybody does that normally. Um, anyway, <laughs> William. Um, yeah, I would say that it's, yeah, there's, I don't think it's, really ideal. I think my school has done a pretty good job about like prioritizing for the most part like the students like our our well-being um, and not like trying to shove all this academic stuff. Like it's definitely been for myself I felt like there's less of a workload. Um, Hmm. But also it's like being on Zoom especially when like most people don't have their like videos on is just it's not very it's just not the same thing. The social aspect is pretty bad but I feel like everyone is doing the best they can. Yeah. Well, everyone's trying. Also, I mean, you've been doing this for almost a full calendar year now. And there was a changeover in school year during the pandemic. Um, have has your Have your feelings about distance learning and being on Zoom all the time changed kind of the longer it goes on? I mean, how did you feel about it at the beginning and compared with how you feel about it now? I don't know if this was just me, but I also noticed, like, a lot of students were, like, pretty excited. It was, like, online because, like, we can just sleep in and just, like, before, like, um, during the spring, um, we didn't have, um, for Gateway, we didn't have classes. We just had, like, recorded meetings, assignments. Um, But now, since we have, like, um, like, a set schedule and, like, nothing has really changed it's just been harder and harder to like pay attention so like definitely like having some type of hybrid system would be nice just because like I feel like social interaction is it can be very awkward in the classroom and also you're just it just also feels like you're just by yourself that's the aspect I miss the most like interacting with people and really um connecting with my teachers I mean, especially with being my junior year, I feel like it's very important for me to interact with my teachers because of like when I want to apply for college and like teacher recommendations and like et cetera and whatnot. But yeah. Yeah. And you did you get new teachers with the change in school year? Yeah, I got new teachers. Oh, there's always like 
yeah, there's always new teachers every year. There's some teachers who study, I mean, who teach different classes, but it's been basically um, new teachers. But with the class size, with some of my classes, um, some are really small and some are average like 25 one of my biggest classes like stats so it's like a 36 class the size is like pretty big so it's hard to always like connect with the teachers but definitely with like my smaller classes it's easier to like um build those relationships mm-hmm. William and Adriana what's what's your experience been with the change in <laughs> how how is thing has this changed for you over time and how do you connect with new teachers if you have them Well, just first regarding teachers, I've been trying to talk to my teachers, maybe after class, um, email if I have questions, use office hours. So me personally, I don't think I've had that much of a hard time connecting with teachers. Maybe it's just because I'm a chatterbox and I just talk about anything and everything. (laughs) But I mean, at the beginning of the year, I thought it would be really cool, like, at least trying it out for, you know, a couple months, um, just waking up at nine and experiencing something that I've never experienced. But as it went on, you know, it got kind of tiring. It obviously became harder to find motivation because there's nobody to keep you accountable. But currently, I'm actually feeling pretty good about distance learning just because I've noticed that my classes are shorter, so I have time to like write essays for scholarships. I have time to do my extracurriculars um, and really take on projects that I'm more passionate about rather than, you know, like studying for a test. Um, mm-hmm. And we obviously still have tests, but I'm just, it's less um, difficult. Um, last March, when, when they like did the announcement, like everyone was like cheering. And because we, we thought it was going to be like two weeks, like basically we get like a month off for spring break. But mm-hmm. then when the news came that like we were going to start the new year on Zoom, like it was just such a bummer. But like now I just, I think I've just gotten used to it so much that like it's the new norm. So I don't really know. Yeah, it's like I've forgotten. It's kind of weird. Like I don't know what anyone looks like from like the bottom down. <laughs> Sorry, that took me a second. <laughs> yeah, you have no idea if you suddenly got taller than everybody else, right? <laughs> so this um the this news website EdSource did a survey of teachers around the state recently, and one of the main takeaways from that survey was that a majority of teachers that they talked with feel that their students are in danger of suffering long-term academic damage in the current situation. First of all, does that idea of long-term academic damage mean something to you? And if so, what? And and do you agree that a lot of students are likely to end up with long-term academic damage? As I can kind of see, like, actually, like, a few weeks ago, uh, with just distance learning, it feels like I'm not really sure when it's going to end. So I'm always feeling like, oh, I'm going to be unmotivated. Like, I'm like, oh, when I go into college, I'm going to be unmotivated and whatnot. And I feel like that... Well, I, I'm not sure, like, obviously, like, once, like, schools reopen, but I feel like I now had a mindset, like, I just live in this moment. I don't really know what to expect. And I just feel like we're just going to continue doing this distance learning. And it's just like, it just makes me feel like 
I'm unmotivated for the future when it comes to like academics. And I feel like that would change, obviously, once we go back. But I feel like, I don't know, it's just like a really weird feeling. Um, just feeling like it's like it's not going to go back to normal. And I can't really picture it because it's almost happened for like a full year. Yeah, very strange feeling. Mm-hmm. Sort of like you're permanently stuck in the state of not knowing what's going to happen next. Yeah. William, Adriana, do you want to weigh in on that? Academic damage. For me personally, I don't see too much long-term academic for me just because the things that I'm struggling in, like physics and biology, I don't plan to pursue in the future. So I don't mind if I'm not doing as hot in those classes. But um, I think that the long-term damage really comes through in younger kids. Like I have a five-year-old sister who's... just started kindergarten this year and Mm. I could definitely see that being a long-term issue I mean at her age students are supposed to be playing or playing with their friends running around outside and really having that social connection and the educational aspect that you can learn at school and she's definitely having a hard time focusing and really engaging so I'm mostly concerned for younger kids who don't have the networks to communicate and actually advocate for themselves as well as older kids. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I don't really know what that means, really, um, long-term academic damage. For myself, I don't think I'm going to see like a huge impact, um, but definitely for elementary school, I, I could see maybe some, some long-term impacts, not in like that they didn't learn, like they were ABCs, but like uh, just the social aspect. A parent advocating for schools to reopen as soon as possible recently told the San Francisco Examiner about her elementary schools that, quote, they spend so much time in isolation or at home without their peers. So there's a quality of invisibleness to their experience. Does that resonate with you at all? A quality of invisibleness feeling kind of invisible? For me personally, I wouldn't say so because I'm someone who like constantly reaches out um, mm. to my teachers. I feel like that very depends on the students. And I've seen that like there's been times that's um, that I felt that. And it's obviously like when you're on Zoom, the other thing is like the teachers are not going to know, like they don't get a sense of like your well-being. So it's kind of hard to, like, communicate that if you're not, like, really direct, which can be very hard for students because it's, like, also it's distance learning. and Maybe, like, you know, like, the environment you're in really impacts, like, you know, like, your mental health and also just having that space and also just, like, a healthy environment and, you know, whatnot. Mm -hmm. I actually think it's kind of the opposite, um, at least from my experience. Because Mm. with the sense of invisibleness, I really think that stems from the fact whether you show up to class or whether you don't, the teacher doesn't really notice. So I found that to be more difficult to deal with um, and really plays into the fact that you have to advocate for yourself 10 times as hard to even be noticed um, or listened to by your teacher even though you're constantly on camera? Some of us, yeah. (laughs) It depends on the day. (laughs) 
Um, I don't, I don't feel like I'm invisible, but also that's because I think I interact in class with my teachers a lot more than uh, most of my my peers. So I feel like if you're like interacting, I feel like my teachers see me. Um, but I could definitely see how if someone's like more shy, like they don't have the ability to have like their camera on, um, then the teacher like they may not even notice if you come to class or not. I'm speaking with high school juniors Alan Tarones, Adriana Zhang, and William Axelrod about distance learning and how and when they would like to see San Francisco schools reopen. Looking ahead to the future a little bit, assuming that eventually schools do reopen, the teachers union and the district have been working out what the safety measures need to be in order to return to in-person learning. And right now, the plan depends on the city reaching the red tier of infection rate. So... In that case, in the red level, schools can reopen if on-site school staff can get vaccinated. If we go a level even lower on the transmission scale to orange, teachers and staff would go back to classrooms even without getting vaccinated first. There's also going to be various measures like COVID testing, health screenings, and sanitizing. What are you hearing about the safety precautions that are going to be in place when schools reopen? And what would make you comfortable going back to the classroom? What do you want to see? I was watching the news, and I know there's like a UESF and SFUSD separate plan. And it's more, for me, as of now, within like the spring, I would feel like more comfortable with like a hybrid system, mainly because I'm not really sure like to what extent our schools are opening up. Like, are they opening their gyms and like their sports areas, which can be like very dangerous for COVID and it's also like transportation I would always go on the bus so that's like also like one of my worries but I feel like I definitely want to go back to school because I miss that social interaction I and it's like it'll make me become more motivated and also just having those connections with my peers and teachers and in terms of like healthy precaution like also like having the smaller class sizes and having like constant testing. I think as of right now, SFUSD has a checklist. So that includes, you know, ventilation, masks, um, like the direction that students will be walking in um, and everything of that sort. So I think if we were to fill up all of the different things that we need to do to make school safer. Um, I would feel comfortable with going back and part of that also means possibly having a hybrid me- method where maybe for Monday and Tuesday only the 10th and 9th graders get to go back and then for Thursday and Friday all of the 11th and 12th graders get to go back. Something of that sort where Um, Not everybody is there at one time because, at least for my school, the hallways can get very crowded, um, especially if you have classes from one side of the building to another. Like, you just don't have a choice but to be, you know, three inches from another person. And I would personally feel safer if we were to just wait until fall um, when people get vaccines. Um, Do you mean when everyone whose staff is vaccinated or like everyone everyone's vaccinated um i think when staff is vaccinated and when 
I believe the number for herd immunity is like 75%. So if 75% of San Franciscans can get vaccinated, um, that would make me feel a lot more comfortable just because of science and because I don't want, the last thing I would want is a younger person coming to school. They're completely safe, but if they get a disease and they bring it home to um, their grandparent who is elderly, like that, yeah, that issue would be the worst case scenario. And I don't want any of that to happen. Um, I've been, uh, I've been kind of like frustrated with SFUSD because like I've been hearing like other school dis- districts have been reopening and then it, like for a while, like it seemed like they were just waiting and not really doing much. And not that I think it's an easy thing to reopen a school district, but I don't know, I guess I've been, I guess a bit impatient because also I was saying that like in places that have reopened their schools, the amount of like student transmission like cases that came from students carrying the virus have been very very small so i think that it's definitely possible for us to reopen probably like in a hybrid way but i would i would like that a lot i think something that might be kind of hard is that at soda we don't have our ventilation is not very good and we don't have really many windows so that would be a big problem but like these things like they already existed before the pandemic happened um and so now Hopefully they don't obstruct getting back to school. Yeah, I'm curious if each of you could name kind of your top concern at, for you at your school. I think ventilation's a good one. I mean, if there was one thing that you think ought to change before you'd feel comfortable going back to classes, you know, were it up to you, um, what what would you want to see be different? Well, I feel like increasing the budget for a lot of schools, I feel like there's like... Um, with also like a lot of public schools, the budgeting is very different. So increasing like budget for safety precautions so that we're able to have like, you know, shields in class, hand sanitizer, and like a mask available or tables even like outside. But I think like increasing the budget or even before COVID, just like budgeting was so is so different for like a lot of like the public schools. I think if I could narrow it down to two biggest issues, because I just can't choose in between the two, but number one yep. would be um, space. Just at least at Lowell, everybody is always really close together in the hallways and even in class. So just finding the space to separate students and be um, at least somewhat socially distanced is very important and I think would need to be dealt with before students return. Um, And then the second thing is just having wellness services open and mental health resources, um, because I think now more than ever, people are looking for um, help in that aspect and also just social interaction. And, you know, more students have been going through difficult events in their life in difficult circumstances. So having those resources available um, ready for students to use should be a priority for SFUSD and for all schools. I think the biggest thing for me would be, I'm not sure, um, just... I, I feel like you kind of already named one with the, uh, with the ventilation issue. Yeah, just, <laughs> I guess, like just having confidence that all these things are in place 
Um, yeah, I was just thinking, I feel like also preparing, like, the faculties to be, like, really prepared for, like, the situation and have everything handled, that's, like, the most important thing, because they're the ones that are going to be, you know, um, teaching those classrooms, so if they're, like, being, like, trained really well, then that will definitely make me feel safer, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask something and I want to flip the order on this one and start with William first, um, because you'd said that you're pretty frustrated with um, SFUSD for kind of being slow about this. And the president of the school board recently said that the district is putting plans to rename 44 of its schools on hold until students are back in school. Do you have an opinion on that move? If they could, I don't, I, don't, I think that if they could focus on renaming and be doing a lot to open the schools at the same time. I'd be fine with that, but it seems like, I don't know, they're like, they're both important things. I guess getting kids back in school would come before. I also, I think the way they went about the renaming maybe wasn't the best way, but, but yeah, I think. What's your critique uh, of how they went about it? Um, just like, I really like they didn't like allow any historians to weigh in, which seems mm. kind of funny to me. Um, I think that the idea of going back and seeing like what our schools are named and thinking about like, is this what we want to represent our district in these schools? Um, I totally think that makes sense, but the way they went about it, I don't know. It seemed like, I don't know. (laughs) Adriana, you want to weigh in on that? Yeah, I think overall, I believe Commissioner Bogus on the Board of Ed said this, but I don't think we should be naming schools after people. Like, I agree um, that we do need to rename the schools. However, financially, I think it was a good decision to put it back for at least a year, just because it would take millions of dollars to essentially rebrand 44 schools, which that funding could be used for reopening and providing resources for students and families. Yeah, I think just overall, though, I don't want to lose the importance of having a rename. So even though we're putting it back, I still want to make sure that we keep the Board of Ed accountable, that we actually revisit this once reopening is set and everything else is, or not everything else, but at least reopening is dealt with. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't think I have too much to add on. I feel like um, it's definitely important um, to change the names of, you know, those schools because of, like, what they represent from past people in the past and how that really doesn't go with, you know, San Francisco's really message. But I feel like it's – I understand why. I, I would also, like, hold put a hold on that just because like there's been like a like budget cuts um so like focusing on first prioritizing the health of students and you know faculties um and then starting that progress but I feel like that would be uh, more important because of course like we need to get um students back to schools first um before doing that but I definitely see that's um something to prioritize once that's dealt with. 
Well, we are over time, but I want to give all of you a chance to say anything that you wanted to add about distance learning and school reopening that I didn't give you a chance to say anything that's just um, that you're itching to, to mention. And if you have nothing, that's okay, too. I think my experience has been that my, my teachers, they've tried to teach us. It hasn't been a nightmare situation for me, but I think that you can't really compare the two things. There's in-person versus virtual. It's You lose an entire dimension, so... I'd hope that we can get back sooner while being safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would just also like to say I feel like with distance learning, I feel like with this semester particular, my, I'm thankful that my teachers have been like more, like very flexible and more understanding of students' mental health and like well-being, and also like making sure that the workload isn't too much on us, and just also like what Adriana was saying, prioritizing that when we come back, because I feel like that's been a discussion that's, um, you know, mental health has been very, you know, talked about recently. And I feel like it hasn't really been talked about even before COVID. So continuing that conversation and how we can have like not overwhelm students, even though, even when we're going back, because I feel like I'm just thinking about, oh my God, when if I were in my junior year in person, that would be such a hectic schedule with my extracurriculars and that so hopefully like once Mm -hmm. I do come back teachers are more mindful about the workload that is put on us Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. I'm just like yeah that's what I'm hoping for yeah I agree I just wanted to mention one last thing I think all three of us have said that our times in distance learning have not been horrible or not been too difficult and I just want to point out that Like, it is very privileged for us to be able to say that. Like, I don't think a lot of students feel the same way, nor do they have the same resources or opportunities to say that, like, they're having a good time in distance learning. Because a lot of the people I know are really struggling much more than from what I've heard today. So I just wanted to put it out there that our experiences are not at all um, incumbent of, like, every student's point of view, just hours yeah definitely totally that makes a lot of sense well thank you all three of you for taking the time to talk with me and and walk me through your school day that was alan terrones a junior at gateway high school adriana zhang a junior at lowell high and william axelrod a junior at ruth asawa school of the arts And don't forget, this is just the beginning of our ongoing series of discussions. If you're affected by schools being closed and you have something to add, please get in touch. You can leave us a message at speakpipe.com slash civic, or find a widget in the web versions of these episodes at sfpublicpress.org, or leave us a voicemail. We're at 415-495-7377. I'm Laura Wenis, and you've been listening to Civic. Civic is underwritten in part by the San Francisco Foundation, which has been acting as a catalyst for change to build strong communities, foster civic leadership, and promote philanthropy in the San Francisco Bay Area since 1948. More at sff.org.